Greetings everyone, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Well, hello, Patriots. Trebo, President, United Patriot Coin. Today's story time is back in a day when our currency represented real money. What I'm holding in my hand right here is a $10 gold certificate that simply states to pay on demand $10 in gold coin. To make that simple, this was real money and this was a receipt representing real money. Fast forward to today, fiat currency, backed by the government's promise to pay. <laughs> Let you understand that, right? If it was still backed by gold, this one coin would get you 220 gallons of gas at $5 a gallon. I don't have to tell you that that would only get you two gallons of gas. You figure out what's going to get you further. Hard money, fiat currency. As always, stay safe, be prepared. Hey folks, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program. And I'm trying to build a theme here that I think is so important. When we look at Texas, and you know, I wrote a book, you know, that talked about Texas and hold Texas, hold the nation, because so goes Texas, so goes the United States of America. Right now, a lot of people aren't talking about Texas. They talk a lot about Florida and what's happening there. Uh, they talk about what's going on on the border here, and I think that Texas can be doing a lot more as a Lone Star State to protect the sovereignty of its state and also the sovereignty of the United States of America. So we're continuing to talk to individuals that have decided that they're gonna step up and run for one of the most important positions in the Texas State House. 150 members there. Right now we have 84 Republicans. We have a strong majority. But yet that was still the same body politic that impeached our own Texas State Attorney General. As a matter of fact, actually the Democrats impeached him because they had 61 votes and Republicans only had 60. So we're going to talk to an incredible fellow here by the name of M Mitch Little. Let me repeat that. We're going to talk to an incredible man here by the name of Mitch Little who can give us a lot of thoughts, perspectives, and insights on a lot of things that are happening. Mitch was born and raised in Houston, Texas at eight years old. He told his parents he was going to Harvard and he would become a lawyer, and he has done both. In 2003, he had obtained his law degree from the University of Texas and moved to Dallas-Fort Worth to marry his wife, Kelly. They have three children together, Molly, Matthew, and Lucy. And he attends church at the Bent Tree Bible Fellowship, which is right across the street from where I attend church. I'm trying to recruit him, Pastor Chris, and we'll see what <laughs> we can do. But 
In August of 2023, just recently, and I think this was an, a very important case that the whole nation saw, he was working alongside a team of gifted lawyers. Mitch successfully defended Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson from an illegal, unfounded impeachment brought with no evidence. A Christian and lifelong conservative, Mitch knows things have to change in the Texas House to end the weaponization and corruption of government and to advance conservative principles. Mitch, thank you so much for oh, joining us here. Colonel West, it's my pleasure. I'm a huge fan and uh, oh. you're doing amazing work. Well, I, I, I try my best, you know, because, uh, you know, it's kind of like informing, educating, getting people to understand the situation in which we find ourselves. And I got to ask you the very first thing. You're a graduate of Harvard. Mm -hmm. And what we see happening on these uh, Ivy League schools, and especially at Harvard, with the, the head of the Harvard Law Review and others, what is your concern about your alma mater and the position that they're taking and allowing students to really support uh, an Islamic terrorist organization? I'm extremely disturbed. Um, I'm sure that you saw the video of Jewish students being, uh, I'll call it accosted on yes. campus, including um, by someone who is supposedly the editor of the Harvard yes. Law Review. Extremely disturbing. Um, I know that historically Harvard has always kind of been on the bleeding edge of liberalism. I, mm -hmm. I tell people uh, that I went there as a conservative and came out a stronger conservative. That's, I'm, I'm that's pretty incredible. Rare. It's very unusual. Yes. But what starts at Harvard trickles down to places like Texas 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Mm -hmm. But they're on the bleeding edge of it. So the the fact that there are Jewish students at Harvard being accosted by other students and the university isn't doing enough to abate it is extremely disturbing to me. I'm sure that you've seen the news about donors, uh, people who are alumni of Harvard saying, mm -hmm. you know what, I'm out. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. And it takes a lot of backbone to do that, especially yeah. when that's part of who you are, your identity, yeah. your alma mater. Harvard um, Crimson. Yeah. So it's extremely disturbing. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about something I saw last night. I was buying something in Target mm -hmm. in the Colony, Texas, yeah. for my kid, for his science project. There were five girls in there wearing the kafaya, mm. including uh, you know girls of different races. Mm -hmm. So... For those of you, I'm sure your viewer, you know this. Your oh, yeah, it's, probably the, know it's the wrap. The, the, the white yeah. head covering that, you know, was common to the PLO. Yep. Very, it, it's iconic for... Yasser Arafat made it popular. Yasser Arafat made it popular. And so this deconstruction of our values um, supporting, um, supporting Israel, uh, supporting democracy... These things start at Harvard and they work our way here. Mm -hmm. So I, we have to constantly be on guard against anybody who's trying to deconstruct the values of our society, yeah. no matter where it is. When I look at this, and I took an oath as an army officer to support and defend the Constitution. So I believe in the First Amendment rights, the rights of free speech, the rights of free expression, the rights to uh, freely assemble, peacefully mm -hmm. assemble, the right to petition your government for redress of grievances. But I don't understand how aligning yourself with a terrorist organization that just killed 30 to 31 Americans and supporting their charter, when you hold up a sign that says, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, you're talking about the annihilation and the eradication, elimination of a certain group of people, a certain race of people, 
To me, that's not free speech anymore. To me, that's aiding and abetting a terrorist organization. Help me to understand that, you know, with your brilliant legal mind. I think, I think it's important that we support the right of people to exercise freedom of speech. What I don't think that we can do as Americans, as Texans, is construct a moral equivalency yeah. between the plight of the people who live in Israel and the plight of the people who live in Gaza. There is no moral equivalency. I don't, in, in other words, uh, Colonel West, this is how I would frame the moral issue that presents itself for you and me. Mm -hmm. If you got up on Saturday, October 7th, and saw on social media and on the news the scenes of what was happening to yeah. people in Israel, and you thought, man, it seems like the people who are doing that have some really serious grievances. You need to have your head examined. Yeah. That... That's not war. It's not a just no, war. No, it's not. No. It's terrorism. Yeah. It was designed for a political motive to harm innocent lives, not combatants' lives. Combatants got yeah. harmed in the process of it, but it was designed to terrorize for a political purpose innocent individuals, children, yeah. babies. Yeah, what, is a, what does a baby in the crib have to do uh, with being a combatant on a battlefield? No. Not a thing. And when you look at the Geneva Convention and all this talk about the respecting the international rules of law, what about a terrorist organization respecting the international rules of law? And what about a terrorist organization that is out there using humans, using their own people as shields in, in this conflagration? So I, let's draw an analogy to what's going on at Harvard. Israel is combating people who don't share their norms, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. we, we're not... We're not on the same page morally. I, I think that you and I and people who are watching, people who are voting in Texas, voting throughout the United States, are combating people in the United States who do not share our norms yes. about those things. They don't share our moral view about what happened on October 7th and yeah. what's happening today. And how can we, again, I don't understand how we can justify, how can we be, you know, have elected officials that are even parroting propaganda of a terrorist organization or trying to draw that equivalency, you know, as well. I, I think there, there have to be big concerns about that. Yeah, it's anybody who's seeing what's going on with Rashida Tlaib and, and people even in Congress who are parroting these lines, uh, people in Democrat leadership throughout the United States, I think we have to understand that this is a process that has gestated over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. We have tolerated it. Mm -hmm. They have infiltrated our, our institutions, mm -hmm. our systems, and they are not leaving unless they're voted out. Yeah. You know? And unfortunately, I think when you look at her constituency there in Michigan, I don't think she'll get voted out. It's disturbing. It is highly disturbing. Let's talk about something else that was highly disturbing. Sure. That you had a front row seat in. Yeah. The impeachment of the Attorney General of the state of Texas. How do we get to that point? It's, I mean, just hearing the words come out of your mouth, it, it is kind of shocking. Um, <clears throat> so here's my personal belief in how we got there. Um, we have seen over the last five to 10 years an acceleration in the use of governmental and judicial processes for political purposes. Mm -hmm. um, you saw it happen at a national level with yeah. President Trump. You even see it happen on a local level. I'm sure you're following what's going on in the disbarment trial of his attorney, John Eastman. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, 
So this is a tactic that the political opposition of conservatives, the Democrats, use with great alacrity. They, they co-opt governmental processes. Mm -hmm. They co-opt judicial processes to achieve a political end. You see the same thing with Soros investing money in district attorney races yep. locally to try to generate a political result. The thing that should disturb your viewers, that disturbed me at the, the outset of this was the, the agreed co-option or adoption of that process by Republicans yeah. in the Texas House without evidence. If Republicans are willing to use judicial and governmental processes to harm other Republicans, who is going to be the bulwark for people like you and me Absolutely. who elected those officials to office? Is lawfare. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it is amazing it. to me how we are taking what should be the, the, the rule of law and completely perverting it. And the hypocrisy out there is, is laughable and that there are so many people that, look, look at our border. Our border is a complete violation of our rule of law, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution of the United States of America. And no one's doing anything about it. It's disturbing. But yet, all of a sudden, we're going to go through a body politic, the Texas State House, who can't go through an entire legislative session and pass legislative priorities that have been laid out for them. But in yeah. 48 hours, they can, you know, without any research or whatever, say, we're, we're impeaching the Attorney General. So the thing that um, has surprised me is that following Ken Paxton's acquittal, um, there has been no accounting for the people who voted for it. Um, no one is asking them, hey, you voted for that. There was no evidence. What do you say about it now? There's never been an accounting post-trial. No one's saying, I was duped by the Speaker of the House. No one's saying, I was misled by the House General Investigating Committee. No one's had to say those things. Ultimately, the voters are going to have to be the people who hold those representatives accountable for their votes without evidence. And it wasn't done out of ignorance, Colonel West, because mm -hmm. those representatives who voted to impeach were hearing from their constituents saying, don't do this, yes. this is wrong, you're abusing the process. No one who was on the House floor the day of the vote can say that they did not hear Representative John Smithy say, you're going to regret this, this is done with, this process is rushed, it's illegal. You didn't put anyone under oath. So it wasn't done out of ignorance. It was done with intent. And the purpose was to overturn the will of the voters yeah. who elected Ken Paxton in that office, one, and to shift the balance of power and influence. It's always about power and influence, it is. right? It is. And, and the interesting thing, again, for me is that, you know, Ken Paxton is not a perfect person, but the only perfect person that ever walked the earth is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen to that. But... When you look at the standards when it comes to the law and what is legal and what is constitutional, none of those standards were met in this in, in, in investigation or this impeachment vote in the Texas State House. Am I correct? No, you're absolutely right. The statutes that required witnesses to have been sworn under oath in the House were ignored. They were brought to the attention of the body and they were ignored. The, the result was preordained in such a way that it was designed to deny Ken Paxton due process of yeah, law. Yeah. It was designed to uh, prevent the witnesses from having to go under oath and produce evidence. And, you know, in our, you know, as a lawyer who was representing him in that proceeding in the Senate, 
you know, our fear in our flesh is, does, does the evidence even matter? It didn't matter in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, when we walked in on the first day, you're there with some of the most powerful politicians in the entire yes. state. And there are senators in that chamber who, if they had the vote to, uh, you know, give Ken Paxton the death penalty on the spot before we called a single witness, they would have voted for it. Mm. That's how thin our margins are in this state that there are Democrats who are ready to convict him before they heard any evidence. They were always going to vote to convict him. And so as we proceeded through the trial or we initiated the trial, the big question I had in my heart is, is any of this going to matter? And we just had to, we had to try the case just like we would try any other case with the expectation that the right outcome would come through with, with the absence of evidence that existed. Uh, And and I watched your, your grilling and it was just brilliant. Uh, I mean, you just tore apart and, and just ripped these guys a new one. And, and it was so funny to hear the, the House legal team asking you to tone it down right. uh, because you're, you're putting too much pressure on it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this guy is, is sitting up here basically lying. And, and when you were asking him, was there evidence? Well, you know, my you know, good faith. I, I'm not asking you about your good faith. Yeah, that's right. I'm asking you, did you have evidence that you took to the FBI? Now, what happens yeah. to a guy like that that really lied in this whole process? Is there a perjury charge going to be brought against him? I think we all know that's not going to happen. Sad. And uh, I think those people who were, quote-unquote, whistleblowers in the impeachment trial, um, they need to stop and appreciate that they were, they were utilized as, as tools of people who wanted to accomplish a political end. Yeah. And they were expendable, ultimately, in the yeah. trial. The people who brought the prosecution, the ocean of lawyers over there, including uh, Representatives uh, Leach, Guerin, we can, go, we can run down oh, the yeah. list of people who brought that case. They don't care that those people got on the stand and looked foolish. They were out to accomplish a different purpose. Yeah. So um, as we went through the trial, you know, you were talking about the, the situation where I you know, was being asked to tone it down by the prosecution. All that was coming from my belly in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. uh, feeling the injustice that General Paxton was going through. I'm having to, you, you got to understand, I'm sitting there in the trial. I'm seeing, I'm having to look his wife in the eye yeah. every single day. Yeah as her husband endures what is one of the most horrific things that somebody can endure as a public official. And I, you know, my decision was, I'm, I'm gonna go for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna treat this like any other trial that I've ever had and I'm gonna go for it. I think voters were feeling the same thing. They were feeling that in their bellies watching this you trial. You were definitely being a voice for people that were out there saying, this is nonsense, this is wrong, it's illegal, it's unconstitutional, all of those things. Now let's talk about the consequences for a certain person, yeah. because now you are going to run for one of those Texas State House District, uh, House District 65. Currently, the uh, incumbent is Cronda Themish. What in the, your belly, once again, has caused you to step up? Because you're at a successful law firm. Yeah. You really don't need to do this, but you have answered a call. That's true. Um, I felt like the Lord had planted this in my heart toward the end of the summer as we were getting ready for the impeachment, but I felt like he was telling me, um, you know, take care of General Paxton first. And so I didn't really spend any energy or thought on running for office before that. And as I, you know, as I came home from the trial, more and more people were 
very supportively encouraging me to take the step and to serve. And I just kind of yielded it to the Lord and said, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to, if this is what you have, I need you to make it obvious. And, and he made it obvious. Yeah. But Colonel West, the thing I want to explain to you is, and to, peop- and to the people who watch this podcast, the impeachment of General Paxton is not the disease. It is a symptom of what's going Absolutely on right. in, um, in the legislative body of our state government. So what's happening is we have a, a Speaker of the House who the representative I'm opposing, she supported as soon as she got into office. Mm-hmm. She accepted money from him, um, campaign donations. She took money from the largest center-left PAC, Texans for Lawsuit Reform, that tries to pre- prevent Texas conservative legislative priorities from moving forward. And Texas for Lawsuit Reform was kind of somewhat behind this impeachment as well. They were... Con- they. They had the puppet strings. Yeah. They had the puppet strings of the impeachment. Um, so the Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, um, who's in the middle of his own battle right now yeah. with the statewide elected officials, Governor Abbott, uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, he is there to ensure that conservative legislative priorities don't pass because he is elected in the Texas House by both de- a Faustian bargain of both mm-hmm. Democrats and Republicans who support him. It's it's not done the way we see in the United States Congress where Republicans caucus together and yep. say, hey, we're going to make sure that we elect a Republican as Speaker when we're in the majority yep. so that we can pass our legislative priorities. Here in Texas, we have this, uh, this horrific bargain between the center left in our state and the PACs who support them. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. I think... And, I, and I, I feel and I see this in you, I think at the heart of every Christ follower is reform. If mm-hmm. we see something that's broken, we need to fix it. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that we're going to have, that God's going to give us the power we need to fix it immediately. But we just have to take that first step and then wait for the next step and yeah. then step after that. It's, it's incremental. It is incremental. And we don't understand that, that idea, that system of incrementalism. So often we on our side, we want to score the touchdown immediately, but the yeah. left is good at three yards here, four yards there, picking up a first down, continuing to march down the field. Yep. We've got to understand that system of incrementalism. We've got to look at these systems that, like you say, we have to reform. So in you going down there to Austin, what would be your top two priorities as a state? Representative. I think the top two priorities, um, <laughs> it's hard to pick two because there are a lot of things that haven't been fixed yet. Yeah. The things that are on my heart the most, election integrity. Okay. We're, not seeing, uh, we're not seeing enough reform. And I, I think the question I would ask is, do voters feel more confident today in the outcome of elections than they did in 2020 mm-hmm. or in 2016 or in 2012? And I think we can do more as a state to ensure that the outcomes of elections um, can, are protected from yeah. outside influence. I think that's something that is on a lot of people's hearts right now. Um, property taxes, yes. taxes in general. Um, I think what I'm seeing is people are struggling to make ends meet. They're struggling to pay their grocery bills. They're struggling to make sure that their kids are cared for. and we're being taxed out of our ability to to do the things that we want to do as a state. So I'm going to cheat and give you a third one. The main thing that is on my heart right now is the school choice. Making sure that parents who have kids that are either 
trapped in schools that are not functioning, that aren't doing well, mm -hmm. or parents who would like to have an opportunity to give their kids a faith-based education mm -hmm. or a homeschool education without strings attached to tell them, you know, you need to be involved in high stakes testing or you need to, um, you know, subscribe your curriculum to some uh, somebody else's agenda. Mm -hmm. Those families that want an opportunity to do those things, that they have an opportunity to do them. I think the legislature can provide that while still making sure that the public school system works well. And I will tell you also, I'll, I'll cheat and add a fourth one because of your experiences. I think you're the perfect person to go up and, and bust up the cabal of corruption that we have down there in the Texas State House and in Austin. Period. It's there. It's there. I, I'll just tell a quick personal story. While I was in the middle of the impeachment trial, I, I saw how it happens. You know, you go down there, mm -hmm. you, you get elected to office, and you think, I'm sure people go down there with all types of goals and desires, um, missions, and the process of being co-opted happens so quickly and so easily. You know where it happens is you get in an elevator as a state representative or a state senator and someone says, oh man, you're taught, you look so good today. Or, um, man, that, I really liked what you said on the floor. Yep. And it's um, this temptation to be motivated by something other than what drives our hearts and what drives the hearts of our voters. Yep. And whether it's money, power, influence inside the building, I think People get co-opted over time. I'm sure you've seen I it. I saw it at the, at the national level, the United States House of Representatives. Yeah, I saw it. You might see someone 10 or, 10 or so years later after being elected and go, that's not the same person yeah. I knew 10 years ago. Yeah. It's happening here. Absolutely so. The last question I'm going to ask you is not for you to respond to me, but to respond to the people out there. Why is it that your race and, and why is it that the Texas State House is important for the United States of America. Yeah, and so Colonel West, it's important for voters in Texas to understand, as goes Texas, so goes the nation. If, if we do not, and this is what voters need to understand, our margins in Texas are slimmer than we realize. I think we have become accustomed and complacent to thinking that Republicans and their priorities are going to control uh, a conservative Texas over a long period of time. Um, it is an election to election proposition. And unless, this is a time really, I think we're seeing it not only with the Israel issue, not only with the weaponization of government issue, not only with legislative priorities in Texas not being passed, but we are in a war. And, in times of war, we need warriors. We need people who are going to oppose the corruption that's there in the House. We need people who are going to oppose and stand boldly like John Smithy did against weaponization of government. And we need people who are going to vote and act their values. I think we've seen over the last however many years, what politicians say and what politicians do are often two different things. Mm -hmm. I, my desire is to be a statesman and represent the heart of the people in our district who want to achieve things that are conservative, who want to pass these priorities. And it's not going to happen unless we change the people who do it because the system that is in place now is broken. And I, we need reformers and warriors in the Texas House. Mitch Little. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Yes, sir. Where can people follow you? What's the website that they can sign up and you know, give you support? Thank you. So MitchLittleForTexas.com.
Texas.com. Is you, it F-O-R or four? F-O-R, MitchLittleFORTexas.com. Okay. And we would love to have your support. We think... You got I, it. I, I appreciate... You got mine. Amen. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on your program, and I'm going to stop by your church, too. All right. And you have my full endorsement as well. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Because we need you. Yep. Just like we need you. Oh, I'm here. Hey, folks, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Program. A special thanks to Mitch Little. You should go to YouTube and watch him uh, and his cross-examination and some of these quote-unquote whistleblowers down there doing the impeachment trial of uh, Attorney General Paxton, and you will see the measure of the person that is sitting next to me. And that's the type of person that we need to have, not just in the Texas State House, but in all of our state houses and in the United States. House of Representatives as well. So if you like this podcast, please click like and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.